You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Praise God. I want to just begin by welcoming Cafe Church. Hopefully you've got the screen on and you're not lost in your coffee and chatting that you're tuning in. So welcome to Cafe Church downstairs as well. I want to uh, begin by just explaining that today's message is really the first of three messages that are all to some degree linked, and they're all around the theme of what in Irish we call sowing. And I'm going to be going into greater detail in this on Tuesday night, but sowing is the Irish name for Halloween. And I've often shared up here how Patrick, the first saint on Patrick's Day, the Christian, the guy who brought Christianity to Ireland, how Ireland was greatly used by God. That the, the Bible, the only place you could find a handwritten copy of the Bible, there was no print back then, for about 200 years, the only country in the world that kept written accounts of God's word was here in Ireland in what were then what we would now call a monastery, more like a university, including here in Cork with Finbar's monastery. And so God's word, the Bible, was safely kept alive here when the rest of the known world in Europe was going through the dark ages. And we often celebrate how Christianity um, made such a contribution from Ireland to the rest of the world. And that's a positive in Irish history and in Irish culture. But we must also be honest and look at the other side of what Ireland gave to the world. And one of the things that Ireland gave to the world, to a large degree, is this whole area of Halloween, of the belief in witches and demons and the God of the dead. And so, so and so, for example, we're in October, and in Irish we would say, me, therefore, uh, which is the month of the end of autumn, but November, the word for November is sowen, mina sowen. And this Irish or Gaelic word has actually transmuted into the English language and is spoken all over the English world among pagans, with witches, and with those who believe in contacting the dead. So this word and this whole practice of Halloween, which I'll go into deeper on Tuesday night, actually was bought by Irish immigrants over to the United States. And then it spread all over the English-speaking world. But let me just say just a tiny bit for today before we come into our scripture. The Irish belief is that this coming week, the God of light died, fell asleep and died, and the God of darkness came alive. And this whole concept of the light dying and the darkness rising up was very real to people. I can even remember my grandparents and their neighbours being a bit spooked this time of year in rural Ireland. And anybody who has spiritual discernment will know that at this time of the year, there is something else going on in the spiritual realm. And it's not just kids going around dressed up as demons or witches. There's something a bit deeper going on. 
So it's in that context I'm going to share today. And we're going to look at the whole issue of what it's like when... Are we working down there, guys? Yeah, falling away from God. And I'm going to look at a portion of Scripture from Acts 20. But to begin with, we pray that your word would feed our souls today, Lord Jesus. And that anything that is from my flesh would be forgotten. But whatever is from your spirit, we pray it would take root in our souls. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're about to look at a quaint little account that when I was a young Christian, I used to laugh at. But as I've studied it and looked into what the early Christians thought of it, I don't laugh at it anymore. It's, in fact, a profound portion of Scripture, though to our ears and eyes, it's quaint and a little bit strange. It's from the book of Acts, chapter 20. I'm going to read out an abridged version of verses 7 to 12. The context is Paul, who is the great apostle, the writer of most of the New Testament, knows that he hasn't got that long to live. He knows through the Holy Spirit he's going to be arrested. And so he is, in effect, saying goodbye to the Christian churches he planted and started. And he comes to a place called Troas, modern-day Turkey, but just across from the Greek islands. And he comes to the Christian church in Troas, and they gather together and have a meeting. And this is where we're going to join the narrative or the story of Paul at Troas. On Sunday, we gather together to break bread. You can throw up the scriptures in Cafe Church, please. On Sunday, we gathered together to break bread, and then Paul started to speak. Because he was leaving the next day, Paul kept talking until midnight. There were many lamps lit in the upper room where we were meeting. And a young guy called Eutychus was sitting on a window ledge, and he fell into a deep sleep during the meeting. Because of this, as Paul kept talking, he fell out the window and down to his death. Paul ran down and threw himself on top of the body. And then Paul said, don't be alarmed. He has life in him. And then coming back up to the meeting, Paul broke the bread and he kept speaking until daylight. And they took Eutychus away alive. And all were greatly comforted. May God bless the reading of his word to our souls. Amen. Amen. So this is a quaint scripture. It's a little bit bizarre. And as I said, many years ago when I was a young Christian, I remember finding this quite funny. And while there is something like that there, I want us to consider what God is saying to us through it. The first thing we see is that they gathered on the first day of the week. This is part of a rhythm that began to emerge in the early Christian church, so that I can give you the context. So Christians began to meet on the first day of the week. The Jews met on the sixth day or the seventh day of the week, which was Saturday. But the Christians began to meet on a Sunday. Why? Because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Hallelujah. 
And so if they could at all, they would gather on the first day of the week. So here we have a historical fact, and we have it elsewhere. And we know that they, we know from elsewhere they would have worshipped God, they would have had the bread and the wine, and Paul, as the teacher, would have ministered God's word, would have preached the message there. And so here are the gathering of people. They would have met in what we call an upper room. This is where uh, most people would have met. Very similar to this. It was about in the Roman villas and the villas of Roman Empire back then. They would have a large upper room about the size of our hall here. And it was normally up one step, one uh, layer of stairs on the first floor. Again like this. And so they would have gathered together, and just like you've made the decision to do this morning, 2,000 years ago, these people made the same decision. We're also told that there were many lamps lit in the upper room where we were meeting together. Now remember, the book of Acts was written by a guy called Luke. He was a doctor. He also wrote the Gospel of Luke. So he's sharing his experience of what happened. And we're told that they had lamps lit. So now we know that they met on a Sunday night. Why? Because Sunday was a working day. And most Christian churches were a mixture. You had slaves, you had free men, and you had nobility. All mixing together. It was unknown in the Roman Empire to have such a mixture of people from different backgrounds, different races, because this is what heaven will be like. Amen. And so the Christian church should always reflect that diversity. If a Christian church is only one type of uh, people group, there's something wrong. If this church was just all white Irish, there'd be something very wrong. Who'd say amen? amen? Because the heaven isn't going to be like that. Or if it was just all black, or if it was just Indian, or Chinese, or all men, or all women, or all young people, or just old people, or whatever... The Christian church has to be diverse, and we know from history that Troas would have had slaves and nobility and people in the middle and all of that. What I find very interesting here is that Luke makes the very clear record that the lamps were lit. Why is that important? First of all, it tells us that the Christian church in Troas was ready. They were prepared. The lamps were lighting. Remember, it's dark outside. But within the church, the lamps are lighting, like the five wise virgins, and not like the five foolish virgins or young women. They had enough oil in their lamps to keep them burning. So the church was prepared for Paul's visit, and his words were very important to them. The Bible of itself describes itself as, it says, God's word, the Bible, is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. So symbolically, the fact that the lamps were lit, it's showing that God's word was honored. And then the lamps would have been powered by oil. Oil in the Bible is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So they are honoring God's word, the Bible, and they are believing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And both of these together light up the Christian church here in Troas. So you can get the picture the Christians are together where there is light, but outside there is darkness. However, even within the Christian gathering, as the believers, just like here, we're all gathered here together, we're told that a young guy was sitting on a window ledge and he fell into a deep sleep. 
Now, you're, Paul is talking and talking, so you kind of go, I remember when I was a young guy reading this going, I have a bit of sympathy for Eutychus. You know, your man is talking, 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 talking. It must have been a bit wearisome, but that's actually a lot deeper than that. We know from when we look into it that this guy was a teenager. So he's a teenage guy, boy, not sure what age, probably something like 16, 17, something like that. And it's very interesting. So he is sitting on a window ledge. Now, the windows back then didn't have glass. They just had wooden shutters. But because of the intense heat, when you had any kind of a gathering, the shutters would have been open. So the windows were wide open. And he's sitting on a ledge. He's not sitting in with the main body of the believers. He's sitting on a, le a ledge. So he's sort of on the fringe physically. And a window ledge in that culture and in that architecture is very interesting. It's within, but it's also without. The window ledge is symbolic of the border. This guy is on the border between being with the Christian believers, being where the lamps are lit with God's word and with the oil of the Holy Spirit. So he's right on the edge of the light within and the darkness outside, and he's sitting on the ledge. Forgive me, Caelan, I'm just going to use you. If you look over here, Caelan is sitting on our window ledge, and he's quite safe because we have glass. Hallelujah. <laughs> and you'd never fall asleep in my preaching anyway, Caelan. She wouldn't. You're not saying anything. You're meant to say no. Midnight, absolutely. And I'll speak till morning as well. Hey. But can you imagine that there's no glass there? Caelan is sitting. We've actually got a window ledge there. And it's right by the street. And he starts falling asleep. And so Eutychus is on the border between the believers and the pagans, between the light and the darkness. Remember, we're coming into Samhain, Halloween. The god of light in the Irish mindset is going to sleep, is dying. The god of darkness is rising. Now, we believe in the one true God, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. We don't believe in that. But this is the thinking that happened. And Back then, even though these were Christians, they grew up in a culture where if someone fell asleep, it was seen as a step before death. So we read elsewhere in the Bible, they actually refer to death as falling asleep. And I don't, I, I'll go into it deeper next Sunday, but they had a thing called the, the Greek god hypnos. It's where we get the word hypnosis. And that this god would come upon an unsuspecting person and overpower you with sleep. And then you have to surrender to the sleep and you were out of control. A bit like the way in our culture today is if you're driving at night and you're overcome with sleep, you're going to die because you're going to crash the car. So this is the mindset the early Christians had when someone fell asleep. So the early Christians reading this account 50 years, 100 years later, would all have got spooked when they read of someone falling asleep in church. They knew this was not going to be a good fortune, as it were. It wasn't going to speak well of what was about to happen, that someone is falling asleep. I wonder how many of us today are spiritually falling asleep. 
I wonder how many of us haven't read our Bibles in a long time. I wonder how many of us haven't prayed for a while. I wonder how many of us are just about hanging on with our finger lanes on the edge of the window ledge and we're barely still a Christian. You need to listen because Eutychus was just like that. His name means fortunate, lucky. That's what his name meant. So he's falling asleep. And when a teenager or a young person or an older person falls asleep, something isn't right. What do you need to do? You need to wake that person up. They need to be wake, awoken. But nobody woke him up. And so we read in verse 9 that he fell into a deep sleep, fell out of the window, and he fell down to his death. Because there wasn't anybody there to wake him up. Nobody seemed to notice that he was falling asleep. When I became a Christian in 1980, a few months after I became a Christian, a young guy from County Limerick, Dave Sheeran was his name, one or two of you from the old days will remember, lovely lad. Dave was, came to Cork as an agricultural labourer. And we used to always meet at night in uh, Myra Lenehan's house. And I can remember sitting next to this young lad. He was about my own age, Dave. And we'd, I'd be sitting next to him on the couch in the meeting, the Christian meeting. And invariably, whenever, whoever was bringing the word and speaking, he would literally... <laughs> and he had a very loud snore. Anyone? Do you remember that, Myra or Nuala? Do you remember him? The big loud snore? And whoever was speaking, we'd, go, we'd give him the nudge, and he'd go, ah, ah, ah. In the end, we just gave up. We, but we were always trying to wake him up, and he was constantly sleeping. Now, he was a lovely guy with a good heart. He worked hard. This guy, Eutychus, probably had been physically working hard all day. He certainly wasn't working in an office on a phone or just pushing his fingers on a laptop. He was using his muscles. He would have been tired and that, and Paul was speaking, but he still fell asleep. There are always reasons. There are always excuses that you and I can fall away from God. But the bottom line is, if we do, if we fall into that spiritual sleep, we will fall to our death. And this is the pattern of Scripture. Let's just analyze what he did. What did he fall away from? He fell away from the light of the lamps that were lighting the upper room out to the darkness. He fell away from worship out to silence. He fell away from the community of the believers to isolation. He fell away from life to death. Light to darkness. Worship to silence, community to isolation, life to death. This is what happens to all of us if we spiritually fall asleep. And this is what happened to this guy. And his body was mangled. I don't know if that's a proper English word. His body, was, his body must have been distorted, bleeding. There must have been bits of brain and guts coming out of him. He was distorted, and it all began with him falling asleep in the wrong place. He was sitting on the window ledge. Just to briefly leave aside our narrative for a moment, all over the New Testament, we have warnings about this. It's not just in Acts. For example, Ephesians 5.14. 
the light makes everything visible. Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Hallelujah. This is the encouragement and the challenge to those who are spiritually falling asleep. And you could be 15 and you could be 95. It doesn't make a difference. But it tends to be younger people will do this a bit more than older people. But this is the encouragement we're given. And remember when we fall asleep spiritually and we drift away from God, we fall away from the light and we go into the darkness. It's not that nothing happens. I like what the Christian writer G.K. Chesterton wrote about 80 years ago. When we stop worshipping God, we don't worship nothing. We worship anything. So when you stop singing praises to God in here and you stop reading your Bible, you're not going to be just in a, in a vacuum. And I've seen this again and again. You're going to fill your life with something else. Maybe it's a sport and then you worship soccer. Or maybe it's music. You worship some music. Or you worship money. Or you worship sex. Or you worship an addiction. Or you worship your career. Or you worship a person. Or you worship a house. Or you worship your car. But you will fill your life with something else that takes the place of Jesus. Because every human being has got a God-shaped vacuum inside in us that only Jesus can fill. And we will try and shove all the other things in. And you know what? You will never be happy. I promise you. You will never be happy. And the Christian who falls away from the Lord makes the most miserable of all. Because deep down there is like a canker in your guts. There is something stirring. You know you're wrong. And you don't want to sit still long enough because you know the Lord will challenge you. And so you fill your life with something else. But when we get back to the narrative, Eutychus is down, mangled, dead on the floor below. And look what happens. Paul stops speaking. He runs down and he throws himself on top of the body. Now that body was not a nice thing to be thrown yourself upon. There was most definitely blood and brain and twisted arms and legs, but Paul threw himself on it. I'm going to look at this deeper uh, next Sunday, but sufficient to say this. Paul, the great apostle, hear me, wasn't sitting on some big throne in the church, and he didn't say, you men at the back, go down and bring up the body. He himself took ownership of this situation. Paul, the great apostle himself, ran down to the body, and he himself got dirty. He got up close with the dead body, with the blood, with the brain, with the guts, with the broken bones. Paul himself did it. What did Jesus say years earlier about the good shepherd? He will leave the 99 sheep and he will go after the one that is straying. It's something I don't see an awful lot with pastors today. They're constantly, I'm all about delegation, but sometimes everything is delegated and the pastor is like a little tin god who won't do anything. Paul got dirty. So for me as a pastor, any of us here serving the Lord in leadership, we ourselves must throw ourselves on the body. And there's a depth to that. I'll share it next week. So Paul throws himself on top of this young boy 
who had fallen asleep at church and who had fallen to his death. And then, to me, the most fascinating thing happens that you won't see when you read it initially. Paul said, obviously the other people in the church ran down, don't be alarmed or don't be afraid. He has life in him. Now, I'm fascinated by this, really by what Paul didn't say. Because Paul didn't say, as he said elsewhere, as Jesus said and the apostles said, he didn't say, arise from the dead, Eutychus, rise up and walk. He didn't say that. Nor did he say to Eutychus, Eutychus, I command you and I say you are healed, be risen from the dead in Jesus' name. Or he didn't make any proclamation that you would constantly see elsewhere. No. What does he say? Don't be alarmed. He's got life in him. It's as if Luke, the writer, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, had written it this way so that our focus would be taken off the miracle and on to the restoration of this young guy to the Lord. This is what's really going on here. Yes, there was a miracle. Yes, the boy was risen from the dead. But the Holy Spirit is taking our focus and saying, there is still life in him. He'll be okay because we have thrown ourselves with care upon this wounded boy who is not in a great state. And because of that, there is no life in him. He who was dead is now alive. And so all of the focus is on the restoration rather than on the miracle. I'll look at that deeper next week when I have time to go into it. But don't underestimate the profound nature of what is going on here. And so Eutychus, as we know, had life in him again. He was dead, but now he is alive. And what happened? Did they say, let's cancel the church? Call in health and safety. Where's the southern, where's the HSE? Call him in. Where's the fire department? No. What happened? Paul starts preaching again. They all go back to being a normal church again. They weren't going to make the big drama stop what was really going on, which was that which was being sown unto eternity. So, brothers and sisters today, for your life, or maybe for the life of someone you really care about, let's just consider. Paul said there is life in him. I'm asking, is there life in you? I'm asking, is there life in them, whoever them is? Is it a son or a daughter? Is it a friend? Is it a husband or a wife? Are they falling asleep? And the thing when you fall asleep, you kind of don't really know what's going on. When Denise and I go to bed at night, I, I, Denise, we're always laughing about it because as soon as I go into the bed, it's like sleep overcomes me. I, I can't get my eyes away. And my mouth kind of starts opening, and I've even been known to dribble. I just get into such a deep sleep. I dribble sometimes, don't I? I'm like an old man, aren't I? <sighs> but Denise takes a long time to get to sleep, and the slightest thing will wake Denise. She's a very light sleeper. I've had my children ringing the bell and banging at the door to come in when they were teenagers. I heard nothing, you know. I'm, I'm just asleep. Hallelujah. I sleep so deeply. The thing is, though, when sleep is overtaking you, 
especially if you're a deep sleeper like me, it's almost like, <laughs> it's so hard to fight it. It just overtakes you. What we see in the natural, we'll see in the spiritual. Eutychus was blessed. He really was fortunate. Do you know why? Because there was a Paul near him. There was someone who saw there's life in this guy yet. There's life in that girl yet. There's life in him or her or them yet. There was someone who had a bit of faith and who had the courage to throw themselves into their life even though it meant getting bloody and dirty. And I can imagine when Paul went back up to the meeting and he was preaching, he had a bit of blood there and there was some intestine there and there was a bit of brain over his ear. He was not Mr. Bling with his shiny suit. But oh my goodness, I want to be in that meeting because that's where the life and the power of God is. That's where you can go and it is literally life-giving. Brothers and sisters, what's your window ledge? Because, let's not fool ourselves, some of us are sitting on a window ledge. We're half in and we're half out. We're on the border. If an enemy nation invades a country, it is always those who live near the border are the first to be killed or injured. So if there's a window ledge going on in your life, guys, you need to move away from the window ledge. Amen? It is not a safe place to be. I submit it to you. I ask you to reflect on your life. For some people, the window ledge is being online all the time, looking what you're not supposed to be looking on. For other people, the window ledge is a relationship that is toxic and is bringing you away. For other people, a window ledge is an addiction. So there's all kinds of things that will draw us away and cause us to fall asleep. So I'm going to pray. Do you know what I want to pray about? First of all, I know that some of our teenagers here probably are stronger Christians than older people. Amen? Amen. Some of them have a very strong walk with the Lord. But generally, as a people group, there is more of an attack on our teenagers than on any other group of people. So I want us to pray for the Eutychus company in our church, that we would pray that our teenagers would not fall asleep, that our teenagers would not fall out the window to their death, and that we as a church would be tuned in and ready to make sure our beloved young people are awake. So we're going to pray that, and then we're going to pray for anyone who loves somebody here today, and maybe it's even for yourself who's on a window ledge and is falling asleep. We're going to pray that the God of light, this is Irish culture, who dies and goes to sleep, that the God of light will be alive in your life all through the winter. Hallelujah. It might be dark physically outside, but inside you'll be alive and the light of God will be piercing your darkness. Amen. Amen. So we're going to sing the song, team band, can you come up, come to the altar. But you know what I'm going to do, will you stand with me? I'm going to ask the teenagers, would you come up? And this isn't a judgment on anyone, but just as a people group. If you're a teenager, would you come up to the top? Because we want to pray God's Holy Spirit upon you that you would not fall asleep. If you're 
a youth worker in the church or a parent or a friend or a family member and you want to pray with us, would you come up? We're going to lay our hands on these guys. Would you just come in closer, lads? So we're going to sing, come to the altar, just as the guys are coming up. Let's just sing the song and then we'll pray with both those situations. Where's the altar? It's, a, it's a, an imaginary altar here. There's no physical altar. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Teenagers, I'm going to ask that you lift your hands. And I'm going to pray that you won't fall asleep. Can you say amen to that, lads? We're going to pray that you're not going to fall to your death, that you won't fall away from the light to the darkness, but that you will be faithful to the, to the one who loves you, Jesus who died for you. Let's lift up our hands, teenagers. Put a hand on someone near you if you're an adult. Praise God. Jesus, we pray for every one of these guys and girls. And we acknowledge and we know there is a vicious battle for their souls. But we have faith and we believe there is life in our young people. They shall not die. They will live. And so we pray that not one of these girls or guys would fall asleep spiritually. We pray that none of them would go from light to darkness, from worship to silence, from the Christian community to isolation, from life to death. We pray life into you in Jesus' name. And we pray that should you ever get sleepy, there will be someone nearby who will wake you up and rouse you from the sleep that would overtake you. Come, Spirit of God, and bless our teenagers, and may they grow fully to be men and women who will serve you, O oh God, in their generation. May you raise up pastors and apostles and prophets and prophetesses and those who can speak in tongues and bring healing and evangelists. So oh God, let there be a great release of ministry with our young people. I pray the next Billy Graham would rise up from our midst, O oh God, be they male or female. Our prayers are with them and we surround them with songs of deliverance. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Hallelujah, Amen. We're going to pray for all of us who want to pray for someone else that we love who right now 
is falling asleep spiritually. They're sitting on a window ledge. You're the person in this place at this time by the power of God's Holy Spirit to pray them to come awake again. So if there's someone you love or someone you care about, they're not here, but you are. I'm going to ask that you lift your right hand and you stand in the gap for them. Your risen hand is a symbol to the living God. And in the palm of your hand is written the name of that guy or that girl, your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your friend, your husband, your wife. In the name of Jesus, we lift our loved one up to you, O God. And we ask you by the power of God's Holy Spirit that you would waken our loved one now in Jesus' name. We pray, O God, they would not fall to their death. I pray now, Lord, there would be a great awakening all over Cork, all over Ireland, and that loved ones who are now falling asleep would be woken by the word of Jesus in their ear. And we pray that for them now. And I pray, O God, for those who are dead spiritually, who are mangled and bleeding with a dead body on the ground. We, O God, say we will throw ourselves on their body. We will pray. We will have faith. And we pray that you would waken them and that you would bring life to them and that the dead would rise in Jesus' name. And so, God, with our right hand, we hand over this one that we love and we say, Lord, wake them up. Let there be life in them. And may we see evidence, even this coming week, that something wonderful is happening. When in the natural realm and in the demonic realm, light is disappearing and darkness is rising, we stand like John the Baptist, a voice in the wilderness, and we say, the light is rising and the light will pierce the darkness. Come, Holy Spirit, and do a miracle in our loved ones' lives. In Jesus' name, and the people of God said. Amen. Let's just sing the song one more time. I believe the Holy Spirit would just speak one or two personal words, but let's just worship. Just got a few minutes left. Let's worship and sing. Hallelujah. The, altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I sense the Holy Spirit saying this, and I wasn't going to go there, but I, I won't sleep tonight, I promise you, if I don't share this. When Eutychus, this guy, fell, it was public. Everybody knew he fall, had fallen asleep. I believe the Lord is speaking to someone or some people here, and he's saying, you've got to come out of the closet. You've got to go public and own the fact 
that you've either been sitting on a window ledge or you yourself have been spiritually falling asleep. By doing it publicly, you are showing to God that you are not proud and that you have a humble heart. You know what the Bible says? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if you're brave enough and you're honest enough and humble enough, we're going to pray for anyone who says, I'm concerned about my own spiritual walk. So cold turkey, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand. If you own it, we will pray with you. Fair juice to you guys. Praise God. You're honest and I respect that. I see your hands. Let's sing the song again. I'm going to invite you to come and join me at the top. We're going to pray for you. We don't want you to fall asleep and fall out to your death, no matter what age you are. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Can I ask any of the leaders in the church, any of the deacons, any of the leaders of the life groups, would you come forward and put a hand on someone who's standing here? I want to say, first of all, guys, I deeply respect your humility. Can we give a round of applause to these people? We have to respect this and honor their courage because God will honor them. They've come out of the closet and they said, I'm not doing well. I don't want to fall to my death. I want to be alive. Can I ask you guys to lift your hands, those of you who've come up? By the power of the Spirit of God. We pray life into your soul. We wake you up now in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that none of our brothers and sisters would become victims. Rather, they would be overcomers. And so we pray into your life now. A deep voice that would rouse you and raise you from spiritual sleep. And we ask the name of Jesus to come and to be alive in your soul. And we pray you would be moved away from your ledge. We pray they would be moved from that person who was bringing death into your life. From that addiction, from that mindset, from what you're not doing and what you are doing. I pray healing to the brokenhearted. I pray you would not be overwhelmed with the pain or the suffering of life, but that Jesus would draw you closer and into the center of his will and of his people this morning. Come with your power now, Lord, and honor everyone who's come out here in this day. In Jesus' name, who'll say amen? I want you to stay where you are. We're just going to sing the song. I'm just going to, please stay with your hands on these guys. I just want to touch each one of your foreheads. Pray a prayer before we close. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Oh, Lamb of God.
her. Sing Take away the pain. Take her away from the edge. Move upon Fiona and bring her away from the edge. Restore her soul and wake her up, O God. Oh, he is Lord. And rose her and wake her. Sing Hallelujah. Oh, God, rose my brother awake in him. May he be restored to the Oh, what a my closing prayer here today is that nobody down the back in the middle at the sides up at the front not one of us would fall asleep spiritually let's have the humility all of us to recognize that in our humanity is an inclination to go against God but that's not what we want so for everyone who cares about that for one last time would you lift your hands up in the front, down in the back, in the middle. May each one of us be known as the men and the women who stayed awake through the night watches. Even though darkness is around us, may the light of Jesus be powerful in our experience. And I pray now, God, that none of us would fall asleep and fall out to our death. But we close in prayer asking you, Jesus, keep every man every woman every boy every girl in this place safe and may we be within the congregation within the light and may we never fall into isolation fall to our death fall to darkness we commit ourselves and our loved ones into your care and we ask you god that you would keep us safe through this dark week ahead when witches and Satanists are celebrating Samhain, we, the Christians, celebrate Jesus. And we say you are higher, you are more powerful, and you are the God who loves your people. And there is life in all of us here. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. And for the last time, the people of God who agreed with the prayer said... Hallelujah. Thank you so much for coming, guys. We appreciate it. We've got coffee and tea upstairs. Don't forget Tuesday night and next Sunday again. God bless you. The guys will pray and sing us out. The Father's arms are open wide for 